edition of Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, James Corbett, from CorbettReport.com, and I'm broadcasting to you tonight, as every night, from my home recording studios here in the sunny climes of western Japan, where it's already the 17th day of November 2011. But if you are in the central time zone, like our listeners at the 1140 KHFX AM station in Dallas-Fort Worth, it is still the 16th of November, and it's 11 p.m., uh, Central Standard Time for you this evening, so welcome to the broadcast. One and all, it's great to have you back for another edition of Corbett Report Radio. And I would like to start off right off the bat tonight by opening up the phone lines for anyone who wants to get in on tonight's conversation. We have no guests. I'm just going to be going over a topic that I think is quite interesting, and I think a lot of you will probably want to weigh in with your two cents. So by all means, you can get up and on on getting on deck, get on the air by calling 1-800-313-9443, because tonight we're going to be talking about a subject that I can pretty much guarantee every single person listening to my voice right now will be interested in. And I can pretty much guarantee that, because far and away, the most common question that I receive through the contact form on CorbettReport.com, or when I'm on other radio call-in shows, or in various other things that I do, I often get the question that seems like a very simple question, but in fact, I would argue it's actually so simple that uh, that it's almost meaningless to give an answer to it. And, uh, and well, let's just get straight into what the question is, because tonight we're going to be answering that question. I'm going to provide you with an answer, although I, I have a feeling that a lot of people in the audience won't be satisfied with that answer, but I still have to answer it. And the question is, what is the solution? Now, again, that question is just so simple and so vague that I think it precludes any specificity in my answer, but it is something that I receive over and over and over and over again. And I understand the motive behind it. I certainly understand it myself. I would really love for somebody to be able to provide me with an answer to that question. What is the solution? Sometimes I get a variance of that question. Sometimes even ones that I think are, are at least a little bit closer to the mark. For example, sometimes the question is phrased, what is your solution, which I think is a little bit closer to the mark, but still, it's difficult to answer that question in a way that will satisfy people, because I think there is an answer to this question, and I will be providing it tonight, so so stay tuned, we'll be coming up on on that after the break, but I, I think the question itself phrases the whole thing in a way that makes it, if not impossible to answer, at least impossible to provide a satisfactory answer. Because I think we all know what kind of answer the person who asks a question like that is looking for. And unfortunately, I think it generally tends to fall into the realm of magical thinking. The idea that there is a silver bullet that is going to be able to solve all of our problems and that will be able to be conveyed in a few short sentences as an answer to that kind of question, what is the solution? And it might require some fleshing out. Maybe it'll take a a radio broadcast or two to go over all of the, the aspects of it. But there is a solution, and it's a simple pat answer and that uh, after hearing it, your life will be transformed forever. And uh, I, I don't think necessarily that's what everyone who's asking that question is is thinking, but I think that's something of the motivation behind that question. And to the extent that that is the motivation, I think there's just no good way to provide a good, solid answer to that. Because again, we know the question, what is the solution? But again, what is the solution? We have to define solution. And in order to define solution, of course, we have to define the problem. And I think we all really recognize that there is a deep problem going on at pretty much every level that we can think about, whether it be the economy, whether it be 
the uh, the international geopolitics that we've been talking about in recent days, whether it be false flag events like 9-11. Of course, all of the various things that we're preoccupied with here on Corbett Report Radio. So tonight we're going to be delving, rolling up our sleeves and delving into the question, what is the solution? And we'll be right back with more on that very sensitive topic right after this. Welcome back to this Wednesday night edition of Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I am your host, James Corbett, from CorbettReport.com, welcoming you back to tonight's broadcast and reminding you that the phone lines are open for you to get in on tonight's conversation at 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. And tonight we're talking about the solution. The solution. That's always the question a question that I've received over and over and over and over. So I'd like to provide something of a detailed response to that, because I think it is in order. And I don't think it's a bad thing to be asking that question or to be wondering along those lines. I just think that the answer that I'm about to provide will probably not be satisfactory to a lot of people who are asking it. Because as I said before the break, I think there is some degree of magical thinking that goes on when people are asking for the solution as if there is a one-size-fits-all magic silver bullet that will somehow be able to solve all of the problems. And sometimes that's phrased in different ways. Sometimes I think people have the mindset that there will be some sort of big battle and everything will be solved after that battle takes place. But I really don't think things are quite that cut and dry. Because unfortunately, I, I do think that all of the various things that we're facing and all of the problems that we see going on around us and that we document here night after night on Corbett Report Radio are related. So I think there is some aspect of this in which this is all one thing that we're facing, and that there is, I suppose, one coordinated type of solution that is possible. But whether or not that, that really is implementable on a, on a, a single basis, on a, the basis of a single plan, is something else entirely. So first, let's start fleshing out what the problem is in a little bit more greater detail, because I think that's important for trying to answer this question of what is the solution. So I think we are all are well aware by now of the problem as it exists, for example, on the international scale, when we take a look at the wars and the, the bombings and the, the killing and the death that has gone on in the name of our, of our countries, of our governments, our leaders who, who put our countries at war, for, uh, for reasons that, uh, that only they can parse, uh, in places like Libya and Iraq and Afghanistan and country after country after country throughout the decades. And I think we all know that that's going on and continues to go on. And, of course, we can follow the, the latest developments on that at places like Press TV, which has a, an article up today, Wahhabis Weave Web of Plot in Syria talking about the, the build-up to war in Syria, which we know is going on, at the same time as the build-up to war in Iran is also going on. And as we've been documenting here on Corporate Report Radio recently, there are, of course, even bigger games afoot for even more more of the slice of the uh, geopolitical chessboard, as it were, with Russia and China and, and other powers uh, seeking to fill in the, the power vacuum left by the, the declining, waning American empire. So there is some huge, huge developments going on on that front. 
even as on the national level, of course, we can look at uh, we can look at things to do with the economy, for example, and how everything is falling apart. And probably one of the saddest but best examples of that came out earlier today on Zero Hedge, where they're noting that the official U.S. debt total has just passed 15 trillion dollars. That's right. The total U.S. debt is now 15 trillion dollars. And amazingly enough, if you go to Zero Hedge and take a look at this uh, article, it says, too sad for commentary, but here is some math. Total U.S. debt has increased by 41.5% or $4.4 trillion from $10.6 trillion on January 20th to $15.03 trillion under Obama as president. That, again, is a startling, startling figure. Absolutely incredible. So from the time that uh, that Obama entered office till now, it's the total U.S. debt has increased by 41.5%, now stands at a staggering $15 trillion. And wait, there's more. It gets even worse, because we can switch over to Crypticon.com, which has a story up from today. Fed, now largest owner of U.S. government debt, surpassing China. Quoting, as the close of, at, at the close of business on Tuesday, the debt of the federal government exceeded $15 trillion for the first time, with the largest single owner of the publicly held portion of that debt being the Federal Reserve. Over the past year, as the Federal Reserve massively increased its holdings of U.S. Treasury Secretary- securities and entities in China marginally decreased theirs, the Fed surpassed the Chinese as the top owner of publicly held U.S. government debt. So I think we see from that that really America has entered the, the, the realm of the banana republic. And if this were any other country other than the United States, the, the holder of the de facto world currency of the American dollar, the petrodollar that's been propped up by these wars of aggression in oil-laden countries around the world for the past few decades under a plan devised by and really spearheaded by, by Kissinger, uh, working at the behest of Rockefeller, obviously, uh, from his time in the Nixon administration onward, propping up this uh, this well the, uh, the the completely worthless toilet paper of the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve notes, otherwise known as American dollars, which have uh, really meant absolutely nothing since Nixon went off the gold standard in the seventies, and uh, and unfortunately the the entire house of cards is propped up by war and by wars of aggression and trying to drop bombs on civilians in oil laden countries. So. Unfortunately, it is just a giant con game, and it's coming apart at the seams. It's really just a question of when the first person will look and point and say the emperor has no clothes. And once someone does that, we will, we will, well, everyone will see it for what it is. And unfortunately, that's not going to be a good thing for anyone. So we're coming to a very dangerous point on the national economic front. And then even on the personal front, in our day-to-day running of our own personal lives, the, uh, the infringement of the government into those lives just getting more and more blatant and flagrant. And uh, one of the things that have been on my radar recently is a really terrible, horrifying new bill that's going through uh, Congress right now. It's called SOPA, S-O-P-A, the Stop Online Piracy Act, which, of course, it has one of those nice-sounding uh, titles like the Patriot Act or, or other such Orwellian terms that really are do absolutely nothing to to really be uh, show people how absolutely horrific these uh, these pieces of legislation are but reading from a Washington Post article from today 
SOPA controversial online piracy build gains support as lobbying intensifies. Several lawmakers expressed support Wednesday for a controversial bill aimed at curbing online piracy as lobbying over the issue reached a fever pitch. In a House Judiciary Committee hearing on a bill proposed by committee chairman Lamar Smith, a bipartisan group of lawmakers said new laws are needed to help media outlets, software makers, and retailers fight the illegal distribution of movies, songs, and software. Smith's Stop Online Piracy Act is aimed at foreign sites dedicated to pirated material, but web giants such as Google and Facebook and telecommunications firms say his proposal goes too far, making them responsible for shutting down bad actors. The problem of rogue websites is real, immediate, and widespread. It harms all sectors of the economy, Smith said during the hearing. And it goes on from there. It goes on to detail the supposed reasons for this legislation in fighting illegal online piracy. But instead, of course, what it hints at and what it almost sort of obliquely touches on is the the uh, the, the real heart of the, the matter, which, unsurprisingly, they're not really going to get to in the Washington Post, uh, the CIA's favorite uh, newspaper. But the, the real heart of the matter is that this, this act is absolutely going to gut any type of online freedoms that might exist right now and basically allow the government to do any type of intervention it really wants to shut down any website it deems to be violating any of its so-called laws. And um, and it's really going to be a draconian measure. So for more on that, I would, I would suggest an article from EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which had an article, An Explosion of Opposition to the Internet Blacklist Bill, where it talks about uh, what this bill really is as an internet blacklist where where the government will be able to reach in and shut down websites at will as we've already seen start to happen with with ice of all agencies stepping in and shutting down a number of uh, uh, a number of websites by basically de- blacklisting or delisting their domains seizing their domains um, just some bizarre things going on and of course it always starts out with the the gambling the poker sites or other sites like that that no one can really put up too much of a fight about, but of course that's always just the thin edge of the wedge, and the uh, the ultimate aim is to get at people who are trying to spread truth online. So I think we have to be concerned about that. So as I say, this is taking place on an international level. It's taking place on a national level. It's taking place even in our own private sphere, even when we're just trying to surf the Internet or trying to inform others about what's going on by way of the Internet. In every single aspect of our lives, it's easy to document that we are under, we are subject to a system that is not there to help us. It is there to control us. And I think anyone who's listening to my voice by now probably already well understands that and can come up with hundreds, if not thousands, of examples from their own personal lives and, uh, and from their own research about this system that's being slotted into place around us. So I don't think that's really the issue here. The issue then becomes, well, are all of these things related? And if they are, doesn't that mean that there must be a one-size-fits-all solution to all of these problems? Well, in a way, I would say yes and yes. Yes, all of these stories are related. This is broadly defined what I've been trying to talk about since I ever first started doing the Corbett Report back four years ago when I started talking about the New World Order. And that's a, uh, that's a big phrase that's been thrown around by a lot of big political heavyweights for a long time now. 
And I think we're seeing it come more and more into view, as uh, George H.W. Bush first said, lo, those many years ago when he announced it in the early 1990s at the dawn of the first Iraq war, that the New World Order is coming into view. And unfortunately, it's coming more and more into view every day with stories like these. What is the New World Order? The overarching system of control that unifies all of these various aspects of the problem. So, what is the solution? Well, we'll come back with that right after these messages. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com. Tonight, going over the solution, the solution to all of the problems. A pretty tall order for any radio broadcast, but I always like biting off more than I can chew, so let's get into that tonight. And, of course, you can join me on the air tonight at 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. We can get you up and on this worldwide transmission against tyranny And tonight we are talking about the solution, and we've gone over the problem. And I think, as I said, this is something that we've gone over many times on Corbett Report Radio, and in many different ways, and in fact in all the work that I've been doing over the years. So the the problem is well-defined, but the solution is obviously much more of a sticky issue. And, uh, And there are a lot of, I think, false ways that we're told to look when we're asking for the solution, uh, a lot of people will be told to look at the barrel of a gun for the answer to all of these problems, but I guarantee you that the answer to the New World Order will not come from the barrel of a gun, not ultimately, not at base, because ultimately uh, the system has been set up exactly with violent armed protest in mind, and uh, all of the structures and strictures and all of the pieces of the control grid have been put in place to deal with just such violence, violent acts. I think the system knows how to deal with that. And they're well prepared to take on as many people as need be. And trust me, they have all the nifty gadgets that they could ever ask for to try to suppress us if they wanted to. So it's not going to be just about picking up guns and having some sort of epic battle. I don't think that's going to solve the fundamental problems in our society. And also, I don't think that the fundamental solution to what we're facing is to take to the streets and to to do a demonstration and to ask the government, oh, pretty please, won't you put in some programs that we like instead of putting in the programs we don't like? And and then we can get, engage in some sort of long process of trying to negotiate and trying to give concessions in places and, oh, okay, well, we'll do this, but you, you have to give us that. I don't think it's going to come from that either. That fundamentally is not going to solve all of the problems, especially because, as I think I've documented quite well in the past, Government is the cause of so many of the problems. How can they possibly be the solution? So I don't think it's going to be that that idea either. And I don't think that this solution is really going to come from somebody outside of yourself. I think we can't look for the solution from some leader, from some great sage on the stage, someone who's going to come down from on high and tell you what to say or what to think or how to act. Because whether it be myself as a radio host or anyone else out there presuming to tell you how you should live your life, 
Well, I think that's not the way to look for it, uh, forward either, because ultimately, here's my answer. The solution to all of the problems that we're facing, all of the things that we're looking at, on the international scale, on the national scale, on the local scale, which is the only scale that we have any direct control over, is you. You are the solution to the problems that we face. Each and every single one of you, and all of you together, thanks to the wonderful vagueness of the English language, you is both singular and plur plural, and that's exactly the sense in which I mean it, both you individually and you, all of you out there listening to my voice right now, you are the answer to the problems. You are the solution. You want the solution to the problems that we're facing. Look in the mirror, because that's where it starts, and that's where it will end. Because all of this, all of these various problems that are being created, all of the economic problems, everything going on in the world, ultimately comes down to your mind. Your ability to see clearly what is happening in the world, your ability to resist, all comes from your consciousness. And unless and until your consciousness is prepped and aimed to, to deal with these problems and to deal with them on your own personal individual level and also in your local community, how can we possibly hope to come to any sort of solution that will have any lasting effect? So let me get into an example, <coughs> just one quick example that I thought was absolutely brilliant. It comes from economicsjunkie.com. Here's an example of a specific solution to a specific problem that doesn't involve pleading with the government, it doesn't involve violence, it doesn't involve anything with that. It involves a community of people coming together. And the headline to this article is Private Citizens Perform $4 Million Road Repair Job for Free in Eight Days. And it reads, in part, quote, Anyone who thinks we need government to build and maintain roads may want to consider... Kauai residents don't wait for straight to repair road. That's an island in Hawaii. I don't, I'm proud of the fact I actually don't know how to say that. I've never been to Hawaii. I'm not rich enough to go there. So, so I don't know how to pronounce that island's name. Kauai. Someone out there, please correct me. But at any rate, this story is great. And it reads, their livelihood was being threatened and they were tired of waiting for government help. So business owners and residents on the Hawaiian island pulled together and completed a $4 million repair job to a state park for free. Polyhole State Park, Polyhale State Park, sorry, has, has been closed since severe flooding destroyed an access road to the park and damaged facilities in December. The State Department of Land and Natural Resources had estimated that the damage would cost $4 million to fix money the agency doesn't have, according to a news release from Department Chairwoman Laura Thielen. It would not have been open this summer, and it prob probably wouldn't be open next summer, said Bruce Please, a local surfer who helped organize the volunteers. They said it would probably take two years, and with the way they were cutting funds, we felt like they'd never get the money to fix it. And if the repairs weren't made, some business owners faced the possibility of having to shut down. So the uh, article goes on to detail how the businesses came together and actually built the road in eight days for free. Absolutely amazing. And that is the type of solution I'm talking about tonight. Well, let's take a few minute break. We'll come right back with your calls right after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com going over the solution tonight right here on Corbett Report Radio. And, of course, the number to get in is 1-800-313-9443. And we have a couple callers waiting patiently on the line, so we'll be going to them in a moment. But as I said before the break, really the solution that we're looking for here to all of these various problems is not uh, some one-size-fits-all magic bullet solution, and it's not something that's going to uh, leave anyone with the warm fuzzies that they get when they hear a highfalutin kind of overarching scheme for, for fixing all of society's problems. It's unfortunately the sad truth that we all have to take the responsibility for changing what we can ourselves, and until that happens, there's absolutely no hope for anything. So as I say, the solution to the problems out there is you, and are you, I suppose, if we're talking in the plural. And that's basically it. I think that we have to come together as communities, whether they be real or virtual. I don't discount the idea of virtual communities because I think there is a, a, a real sense in which people, for example, who listen to the Corbett Report on a regular basis are part of the Corbett Report community. And I think of you as part of my community. And I think we have to be thinking of how to build up our local communities, our real communities, our neighborhoods, and also how to foster some sort of relations with people online in whatever ways we can. But again, it's coming together as a community that can be the answer to these problems that we're having on a lot of different levels. For example, as we just looked at on that economicsjunkie.com article, private citizens perform $4 million road repair job for free in eight days. And that's the example of the type of thing that I'm talking about. There are other examples that I'll be getting into later. But right now we have a couple of callers on the line patiently holding so let's go to Owen in Florida. Owen, it's great to hear you again. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi. There are a few things I'd like to mention. One is that uh, I think you're, you've got some excellent suggestions regarding solutions. It's certainly not going to, well, it's most likely not going to be violence. And if we could simplify the solution into any one thing, certainly that would be the mind. But aside from that, you know, part of the myriad solutions will be, you know, and I want to go back to to what you were mentioning in the beginning, which is SOPA. And that's certainly something that everyone, especially in the U.S., needs to get on immediately. And I was hoping you'd permit me to perhaps read a paragraph or at least mention a few headlines on the website of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Read away. It's an important issue. Okay, well, I'll read this first paragraph, which was from earlier, and it says, the, Who's missing from today's SOPA hearing? A short list. The House Judiciary Committee will meet today for a hearing on the controversial Stop Online Piracy Act. What could have been an opportunity for the committee to hear from a variety of stakeholders has de- developed into a parade of pro-SOPA partisans scheduled to testify our representatives from the Register of Copyrights, Fitzer Global Security, the Motion Picture Association of America, the AFL, CIO, and MasterCard Worldwide, many of which helped to draft this legislation in the first place and didn't let anyone else into the room. The only scheduled witness in opposition to the bill is Catherine Oyama, Policy Counsel on Copyright and Trademark Law for Google. And the next, uh, which I won't read, but the next is a follow-up, which says, Internet Community Shut Out of Stop Online Piracy Act Hearing Again. Um, but the, the important thing that I want to mention is that, uh, speaking of solutions and actions, it doesn't really get any easier than something like the link at the bottom of these articles, which is the EFF's 
uh, link where you can send an, basically an automated or customizable letter to Congress. And you, it's, it's so simple. There's absolutely no reason to not do it. So I, I would urge everyone to go to EFF.org and look for that. It's, uh, it's the easiest thing we can do, and it, it could be effective. I 100% concur with that. I think this is a great example of an issue that's facing us right now. It's right here in the present, and it's something that all of us can get informed about and then take action on in a very simple way using, for example, the link that you just talked about there. And it is on EFF.org right now, and uh, I'm looking at those very headlines you're talking about. And again, that's that's an, another example of a tactic that we've seen used time and time again. For example, just a couple of years ago when they were having the, uh, the hearings on the... Uh, the idea of uh, making the, the, the Internet different tiers, different levels for different uh, people who are paying different levels of access. They were ha- doing the exact same thing with Comcast people stalking the room and, and putting, uh, putting just hiring people to sit in the room so that Internet community activists couldn't get into the room to, to uh, take, place, take part in the hearings. So we've seen this happen before. We're seeing it happen again with this SOPA thing, which just goes to show how scared they are of people standing up and taking action on an issue like this. Because, again, the people can have true, real, actual uh, effect in this. They can actually make their voices heard if they are organized and and also uh, informed on the issue. So that's another inc- important part of that. That's why I don't discount the online community part of this, because... I think with the Internet, we do have this incredible tool for keeping each other informed about the threats that are taking place to our communities and then for finding ways to organize and act, activate over them. So so excellent points. Thank right. you well, very much for that, Owen. Anything I, else tonight? Well, I would only conclude, uh, then, then to let the other caller on, uh, I would only conclude by saying that this is, is of critical importance because if they are able to start censoring the online community, we're going to lose one of our primary assets, and we simply cannot afford to allow that to happen and that's all and uh, excellent job thanks and goodbye well thank you for that and and again i agree completely with that because obviously there are a lot of people out there who uh, listen to my voice on a daily basis who wouldn't be able to if it weren't for the internet and really it is the the wonders of the internet that allows me to broadcast you every single night from from here in my home in japan all the way to wherever you might be in the world so it is an absolutely essential part of what we're doing here, and, and if you think that this information, for example, is valuable, then we have to be defending those Internet freedoms. And, uh, and really, this is, this is a revolutionary time we're going through. Not a lot of people really appreciate how revolutionary the, the Internet has been as a tool for really bringing people together on issues that, uh, that just would have been unthinkable just uh, 10 or 20 years ago. And, and really, myself personally, I couldn't have ever imagined my life unfolding in the way it has if it weren't for something like the Internet, this incredible technology that's come along to transform the way that we come together. So again, I think that is an important part of what we have to do in order to, to maintain our, 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 our freedoms such as they are right now. And of course, they are dwindling on a daily basis. But uh, we have another caller on the line tonight. We have Barbara from California. So Barbara, it's great to have you on the line tonight. What's on your mind? Oh, hi, hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call, James. Um, no problem. Well, thank I'm, you for I'm... calling in. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm here in Berkeley, and uh, I'm lucky, I guess, in some way, because I, I'm really close to a lot of demonstrations that are going on. I'm about three weeks, three blocks away from the university, and almost every day, I mean, they're out there right now. There are helicopters going so that you can't hear yourself think. <laughs> so we've got, like, three helicopters hovering over at all times. The loving helicopters from the government, yeah. they're, they're there to help you. Yes, that's right. They're, they're keeping the peace. 
they're machines of loving grace. Yes, yes. But anyway, um, I couldn't agree with you more that the um, change is going to come from con- from our consciousness. And um, I do a little. I would take a little bit of issue with um, maybe I misunderstanding, but um, it seems sometimes that people kind of um, uh, they put down the the aspect of the demonstrations and you know the, the massive gatherings of people. But um, I I actually think that that's a really hopeful and good good thing that's going on, and I'll tell you why because. One afternoon, I came home from work, and I sat down to try to read, you know, and the helicopters start, and I, I got, I just got so angry because it's every single day. So I, like, jam on my coat, and I run over there to the university, and there's, I, I got involved in the General Assembly, right? And I just, I didn't say anything, but I just sat there and I watched, and that was the same day that um, they had beat up a bunch of people. The police had beat up some people. And with, you know, they poked them in the stomachs with these billy clubs. And, you know, it's very, it's very dangerous to do that because you, you can rupture someone's spleen, right? So, uh, but anyway, I just sat through this, this thing and, and listened to people speak. And, you know, I just watched people and listened to people, you know, finding their voice and finding their courage, you know, and losing their fear. And, um, to me that, you know, it was very, um, hopeful thing to see um, because I think once people lose their fear that's that's a giant step forward because uh, exactly and, and that's an incredibly important part of that that revolution in consciousness that that we're talking about as the as the fundamental solution so let me be clear thank you for yeah. bringing that up because oh, I don't want people to walk away with the impression that I'm completely against uh, the idea of, of demonstration or protest uh, that's that's not my point. My point is more to the to the effect that I think like I think like you're indicating here that that people's rights, people's inherent rights, for example, the right to to peacefully assemble for redress of grievances, the constitutionally uh, protected rights are, are uh, like a like a muscle. They have to be exercised. They have to be flexed from time to time in order to to maintain them. Otherwise, undoubtedly, the government will will encroach on them and take them. And it takes something like this where people come together into these into these types of communities, these special communities that, that develop in, in places like this, and, and having that, that group communal experience of being, seeing the police state in all of its brutal, yeah. brutal glory, I suppose, uh, coming together uh, against them. I think it takes something like that for, for people to start affecting that revolution in consciousness. My point is it's more about what's going on in, in the consciousness and in people finding that voice that you're talking about, more so than, than asking the government to try to do this or that. I think the, the real thing... That's important about this is the community that comes together through through actions like this. Yes, I would totally agree. But you know, I wouldn't say that the people. I mean, the people that I listen to, um, they're not in any way pet- petitioning the government for any crumbs from the table. You know, I think they're just, they're trying to develop something new. You know, because there's so many things wrong in so many ways that it's going to take a long time. You know, and just the fact that people are gathering. And talking, and trying something new, um, I think that has to has to be. It has to be done. And I, I couldn't agree also with you more about the internet and the value of the internet and how it has just it's just miraculous, you know, that I'm sitting here in Berkeley and you're you're speaking from Japan and you have this wonderful program, you know, and so many people can listen and to listen to all the other fine programs. 
and, you know, to start thinking and, and things to start clicking, you know. And you, you're able to put things together and this whole thing about the 99% and the 1%, even although that's not, you know, precise and, you know, may sound like kind of a cliché, but in a way it really, it, it's very, um, it's a very apt way to, to describe things because they have got the guns, but we've got the numbers, so to speak, you know. And, well, that's right. That's yeah. right. And and really, when you start to break it down, it's more like the zero point zero 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 one percent when you start absolutely. looking at it. It's the way, yeah. way up at the top of the pyramid. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, exactly. So, and, and yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, thank you that's so it. much for that call. Okay. I think all of those points are absolutely spot on, and I agree with them completely. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying there or the characterization that you're putting in. I, I Again, I let me be clear. I'm not against the idea of the, the protests themselves. I'm just uh, wary of, of them being some sort of uh, be-all and end-all solution to this. But I, I do agree. I certainly think that uh, that when we get to that, that point where, where people are teaching each other, that's one of the things that I've, I've seen in these Occupy movements that, that I think is really one of the most exciting are the teach-ins that are going on where people are learning how to, how to do even basic things like, like uh, starting their own garden or things like that. Uh, to me, that's, that's really exciting. And to the extent that people are coming together in that, that mindset, that's great. Um, to the extent that there are people who, who are there to try to beg for crumbs from the table, of course, I think that's not the solution. But I, I'm aware there are many people involved in these protests who are not doing that. So, so let's, let's transition there. Thank you, Barbara, for that. But let's transition there into, um, this article that I have from a very important website. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I really hope you will. It's called Land Destroyer Report. And it's available at landdestroyer.blogspot.com. That's Land Destroyer, one word, L-A-N-D. D-E-S-T-R-O-Y-E-R, LandDestroyer.blogspot.com, which is an excellent blog that's been uh, keeping a close eye on all of the uh, the Arab Spring-type developments and things like that, and and also looking at some other developments in other parts of the globe, but definitely doing some great work on Libya and then Syria and Iran and all of that that's sweeping across that part of the globe right now. But an excellent part of this blog is the fact that on pretty much every post that uh, this, uh, this writer, Tony Cardellucci, makes, he uh, puts in some links to what he calls his solutions and there's even a link on the side tab there for solutions and i think he's spot on when he starts to uh, talk about the solutions to the problems we're facing so i'd just like to share one article that he wrote recently from september 27th of this year it's called sanctions cut the globalists off from humanity and to me this is this is where we should be heading it says un sanctioning sovereign nations we the people sanctioning the global elite time to cut them off from humanity it says, the first step in destroying an entrenched enemy is to cut them off from the rest of the world. The globalists of NATO, the U.S., U.K., France, Qatar, and others have illustrated this principle in Libya on several levels. First, they cut off the nation of Libya from the outside world, putting arms and trade embargoes on the Libyan government, blockading their shores, and seizing control of their airspace. As Benghazi's Libyan Islamic fighting group terror brigades swept across the country under NATO cover, raping, murdering, and brutalizing all in their path, the globalists began organizing the surrounding and cutting off of individual Libyan cities, allowing and assisting rebels in cutting off food, medical supplies, cooking gas, electricity, and unimaginably even water, literally to starve the population into submission. While the people of Libya have shown immense resolve against this strategy, again this being written in September, it is only, des it is only because of the incompetence of NATO and the lack of fortitude, character, or any desirable human quality amongst the rebels that this process of isolating and besieging the Libyan people has, so far, failed. 
the absolute mockery the UN-sanctioned NATO military intervention in Libya is making out of the contrived notion of responsibility to protect is evident as civilians escaping from the Libyan city of Sirt accuse NATO of genocide, of bombing schools, hospitals, and homes, and mass murdering innocent people. Additionally, under the cover of NATO, entire Libyan cities have been exterminated, with the population being rounded up, murdered, or exiled, and their property stolen. One such example, Tawarga, reported on by The Telegraph in their article, Gaddafi's Ghost Town After the Loyalist Retreat, involved a town of 10,000 people whom the rebels said would never be allowed to return to their homes. Americans during World War II were asked to stand against fascism in Europe and imperialism in East Asia, to intervene in the transgressions of Germany and Japan against the sovereignty of neighboring nations. In hindsight, the British and Americans were just as guilty at that time of grooming their own empires, but hypocrisy aside, rising to the occasion to stop the building of empire over free humanity is indeed a noble cause. Who then will rise to the occasion today against the U.S., the U.K., France, Qatar, NATO's members, and those backing the illegitimate U.N., contrived international criminal court, and other self-serving international institutions that are having their way with this planet? Who and how? Well, as we've gone over already tonight, the answer to that question is ultimately going to be you. But, uh, but we'll come back with more from that article. Again, that's from Land Destroyer Report from September 27th. It's an article called Sanctions Cut the Globalists Off from Humanity. And Tony Gargalucci just doing excellent yeoman's work, not only laying out all of the contrived fantasies behind the so-called Arab Spring, but also going through the solutions to the problems we're facing. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, friends, to the closing minutes of tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I am an independent web journalist who has been doing this for five, going on five years now, four and a half years anyway, and, uh, and I am supported by people like yourself in the audience. I come to you via your own auspices, so if you want to help support the work that I'm doing, you can go to CorbettReport.com. Purchase a copy of my DVD or click to uh, subscribe to make a small monthly doma- donation to keep me going. And really, it is without without your help, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing in attempting to spread the information that I hope is going to make a difference in your life. And I hope that's exactly what we're doing tonight as well as we go in search of the solution to our problems. And we're reading from an article from Land Destroyer Report, Sanctions Cut the Globalists Off from Humanity. And uh, let's continue that report where he's talking about these sanctions and the idea of sanctioning the globalist elite. And he writes, quote, the answer is staring us in the face every time we pick up the corporate newspapers or flip on the corporate news channels and hear the word sanctions. We the people must slap sanctions on the globalists, and it doesn't even require a UN mandate to do it. It simply involves identifying the corporations and institutions that are enabling the globalist agenda, systematically boycotting them, and eventually replacing them entirely on a local or regional level. There is nothing a multinational corporation can do that the modern nation-state can't, and in many cases, nothing multinationals can do that people can't do, even on a local level. And as technology advances in both terms of information and manufacturing, this equation will only tip further in we the people's favor. 
The ghouls of globalism have demonstrated without doubt their, insincer their insincerity over their proclaimed goals of establishing an international order based on the rule of law, where the rule of law is applied to everyone but themselves, who brazenly and consistently violate even their own contrived mandates, edicts, and resolutions whenever it suits them. In Libya, the responsibility to protect turned into targeted assassinations, regime change, and nation-building, read Neo-Imperialism, before UNSC Resolution 1973 came back from the printers, a foregone conclusion, 30 years in the making, spun only as humanitarian intervention for public consumption. Thus, the globalists have demonstrated that they are incapable of lording over humanity with their international order, and without doubt demonstrated the necessity of excising them and their ill-conceived notion of global governance entirely from society at all costs. Well, we'll end that quote from that excellent article there. Again, I will put the link in this uh, in the documentation section for today's episode of the Corbett Report radio broadcast. And, of course, you can find all of that documentation at corbettreport.com slash radio. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com slash radio, where you can find all of the documentation from all of these episodes, including this excellent article that goes on from there to talk about the way that we have to start systematically identifying and boycotting the very companies that are owned by the very globalist elites who are engineering the system, which is the cause of all of the problems that we see taking shape around us. So an excellent, excellent article, just one of many from Landed Destroyer Report, and a good place to start thinking about the deeper answer to the question of what is the solution. Because there are a lot of ways to answer that question that would be a pat answer or would make people feel good about what, uh, what I'm saying. But my, my place here isn't to be popular or to have people feeling, getting warm fuzzies from listening to this broadcast. It's about making people aware that the solution starts with themselves. And it's not going to be easy, but it has to start today. And on that note, let's leave it there. This has been another edition of Corbett Report Radio, and I'm your host, James Corbett, looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow night. <laughs>